0: Up next on Inside the SCCA, the Solo Nationals 100 Percenters. Welcome to Inside the SCCA. This is our most recent episode on the uh, previewing the 50th solo Nationals coming up in a couple of weeks in Lincoln, Nebraska. This episode presented by Mazda Motorsports. I'm Brian Belansky. welcome to the show everybody. Really, really excited today about our guest. Uh, she comes to us today from St. Louis, Missouri, or is it Missouri?
1: <laughs> Missouri, Missouri,
0: which is not which is very different from Missouri. Let's not get those two confused. (laughs) Susan Anderson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us tonight.
1: Oh, glad to be here.
0: So uh, before we get to my first question, um, which um, uh, I ask every single guest here on the show, um, we need to explain to people what a hundred percenter
1: is. Well, that means that I have participated, along with six others at this point, in every national solo championship event. The first one being 1973, and the... this would have been 51 years, except for the COVID year.
0: Right, right. Um, we had we've had a couple of hundred percenters on already. Um, that first one, though, was probably pretty easy for you to get to right
1: yes it was just outside st louis and st louis region actually put it on
0: very cool very cool we're going to get to the whole 100 percenters and and what you've seen over the last 50 years and and um I, i i know some of you don't remember all of it because i understand solo nationals might be a bit of a party So um, we'll chat about that a little bit. Um, um, But before we get there, let's go with the, the question I ask every guest. How did you get mixed up in this crazy sport that we love?
1: Well, before I even had a driver's license, I used to watch autocross in a shopping center parking lot near where I lived. On Sunday afternoon, my friends and I would go over and watch these crazy people run around a parking lot around pylons, and I was always a car nut. My older brother was a car nut, and so it just kind of fell into place.
0: That's very cool. And how old were you when that was going on?
1: Well, before 16, and so... Probably I was late teens when I first autocrossed. Okay.
0: And, and back at that time, did you need to be 18? Cause I think you did, right? Yes. Okay. Cause when I started, um, I guess this would have been 1988 or so. Um, we still had to be 18 at that point in time. Uh, cause I tried to sneak in at 16 and they went, Oh, no, no, stop, 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 stop. And then, <laughs> and then I'm like, why did I tell anybody? What, my, that's right i should have just kept my mouth shut and they would have let me in they would
1: have never checked they would have, they would have never known
0: <laughs> so um so what was your what was your first event what was what was it like what was the car
1: well my first autocross car was a 1969 fiat 850 spider cool Well, no, it wasn't cool. It was a miserably (laughs) underpowered little thing that sounded like a singer sewing machine following me around. Rear engine. Mm -hmm. And finally, I had a friend who did road racing, who put headers on it for me, Ah. so that at least it made some noise. And so I was with that for a few years. And then Bob Anderson and I got together, and he had an Alfa Romeo Giulietta Spider, Ooh. and so we autocrossed that as well as the Fiat, and it just kind of escalated from there.
0: That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Um, what? Um, so, so you talked about underpowered. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm autocrossing a Honda Fit, so I know all about underpowered. <laughs> Um, at least that's what I'm blaming my lack of talent on. Um, the car is underpowered. See, the one thing I've learned in all my years of doing this, the, the most important game for a person who competitively drives anything is their excuse game. So I'm, I've got the excuse game ready to go. Um, but no, we have, I have fun with it. So, um, so how long before the first solo nationals was that when you first got started?
1: Oh, well, so that was 1969, and okay. the first Nationals were 73. Right. So, um, yeah, just four years.
0: Okay, okay. Um, at that point in time, how were, how were you received as a lady in the paddock uh, at the solo? I, I, just uh, no issues? Any, anybody give you a hard time?
1: Oh, never, because we had others— Uh, other ladies who autocrossed ahead of me and they were my idols Mm. they i just thought they were the best who who
0: who were some of those ladies
1: well i couldn't tell you one's name was (laughs) diane okay (laughs)
0: it it's kind of interesting because you know we've told stories for for decades now about how difficult it is for women in motorsports um and and i've i've talked with uh I've talked with Shirley Will Downey and Janet Guthrie and and some of these pioneers who really paved the way for some of the ladies who are who are racing today. Um, But the 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 ladies I've talked to in the autocross community, either you're really kind and won't talk about it or the
1: autocross community was really welcoming. Oh, totally welcoming. Everybody was equal. Right. It it didn't really matter. Any idea of what you attribute that to? I think just because it's a grassroots sport. Sure. And we don't have to depend on sponsors. Right.
0: Yep. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. When you have to start raising money, that makes things a little more difficult, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) I I bet. I bet. So 100%er, that means you have been competing at every single solo nationals since 1973. So in 1973, when you did the first one, there was obviously every one of you was a hundred percenter. Now we've got six. So at what point did the group who's gone to all of them start realizing that this was a special group of people?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't know. I think really there was a group, say, for the first 10 years A much larger group at that time, but I think it kind of um, made an impression on us that we had been to everyone for those first 10 years. And then let's just keep going. Let's do this some more.
0: Right. And would you say at 10 years, how, how many hundred percenters were there? Would you say?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, I I really don't know. There Maybe there were like 30 okay. at that time.
0: Okay. Now let's fast forward to 25 years. At 25 years, how many 100%ers do you think you were there?
1: Um, well, definitely more than the seven that we've got now. But maybe 15. Okay. I can think of a couple who have dropped out uh after a certain point maybe it was after the 25 years when they just said yeah we've we've done this enough we're not going to do it anymore um
0: so so you you mentioned something before we went on which i got a kick out of you said that the the 100 percenters were the ones that didn't know when to give up
1: (laughs) (laughs) something like that yeah (laughs) Uh,
0: so what what kind of a kinship do you all have now there's six left. It's um, when you all get together at Nationals, do you guys all paddock together? Do you all hang out? Or do you still kind of do your own thing?
1: No, we do our own thing, but we make sure that we see each of the 100 percenters. Right, right. And stop and chat a little bit.
0: And I, I know this year at Lincoln, there's going to be a dinner. And I think all of you are going to be kind of the, the guests of honor at this dinner, right?
1: Well, nobody has told us that. They okay. just said it's a special thing. Okay. So, uh, and I don't know if Dick Berger and Charlie Clark have signed up for that, but I know the rest of us have.
0: Sure, sure. Um, I'm looking forward to that, by the way. I, I love, I, I, I've been a journalist for for 30 years, and I kind of consider journalism as the writing, writing the first draft of history. And so I love the history of whatever I'm I'm involved with, and I'm, I love motorsports and racing history. Um, I had Rocky on uh, the show the first episode, uh, and and he and I probably could have gone for five hours, um, but I had to stop at some point. Um, uh, and and I just love the idea that there, that you guys have kept this whole tradition going, and uh, and that that's pretty awesome. So. You've seen a lot, you know, there's that TV commercial uh, for an insurance company. We know a lot because we've seen a lot. Um, Yes. You've seen a lot over the last 50 years. Um, Trends have come and gone. Uh, The hot cars have come and gone. Um, What what is, kind of give me your idea of what the arc of that 50 years was like and uh, what what kinds of things you've seen change over over the years. Let's start with the things you've seen change for the better.
1: Uh, I think there's probably better organization. Well, there has to be to accommodate 1,300 competitors, which we'll have this year. Right. Uh, So it's gotten bigger each year. So there has to be better coordination. Um, You know, we have, well, and. In the early years, it was SCCA regions who actually put on the nationals, and then it fell under the national office. So that's a change where, uh, you know, it's not left up to individual regions. Right. It's, it's done from the national level. Um, I think that's a big thing.
0: And I assume that that just kind of had to happen right because it got so big and it got you know regions are all all volunteer members they only have so much time in their days to dedicate to to doing this thing um it it kind of kind of had to fall to the to the to the national office at some point right yes yeah so um what what are the different um what are the different cars you've been to nationals with
1: well so there was the Alpha Julietta Spider, uh, and I won my first national championship in that car at Dallas Fort Worth in 1979. And then we built a well. It started out as an A modified Grabham Alpha, and then classing changed, and it became a B mod car. But that was my absolute favorite car. It handled so well. It was so easy to drive. And I won some championships with that one. And then Bob Anderson and I split. So I lost my mechanic, my car. (laughs) (laughs) And so after that, I have depended on other people to be kind enough to let me drive their cars. And for several years, I drove a Lotus Super 7 okay. owned by a friend from the local area, Craig Straub, who has since passed away. And after and that was a D-Mod car. And after he passed away and that car was no longer available, George and D. Schweikel were kind enough to let me co-drive with them in their Alpha Spider, And I always thought it was kind of cool that the first several years – There were two couples in the 100%ers, and we drove Alphas. I mean, Alpha is not like a major (laughs) mark. (laughs) So I I just always thought that was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, of course, I had kept up with George and Dee through the years, and I am just so appreciative that I've been able to compete in their car and keep up the 100%. Great,
0: great. So how much do you autocross – when it's not the nationals, do you get out a couple of times each year, or are you pretty much now just coming to the nationals?
1: Really, the well, since my friend Craig passed away, uh, and I know I could probably drive somebody else's car locally, sure, but I haven't. So yeah, the last couple of years it's just been nationals.
0: Sure, sure. So what's your nationals record? Have you have you have you, have you uh, grabbed have a first place 11- trophy?
1: 11 championships, according to that. Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> um, when was the first? 1979, 1979. And that was in Deep Prepared Ladies.
0: Okay. And when was the last?
1: Oh, you would ask me that. Ballpark? <laughs> uh, I'd say like five years or so ago.
0: Okay. Um. And what was the most memorable?
1: Oh, the most memorable was in Salina when we had humongous amounts of rain and snow flurries and sleet. And there were several ladies driving in B-Mod ladies that year. And most of them had rain tires. I did not have rain tires. Mm. Um, there was so much standing water on the course that that was when I suddenly decided it would be a good idea to left foot brake. I had never used left foot braking before, but just to settle the rear end of the car, uh, it worked really well. And like between my first and second runs, I think I took off 10 seconds by left foot braking and i won the class of about 10 cars i think um and as i said they had rain tires i didn't have rain tires so i was really proud of that one so
0: so you did you decide before the first run you were going to do this or after the first run did you say this is not going to work if i don't try something else
1: Uh, that's what happened after the first run You know, there was so much water. It was just hydroplaning. I couldn't even honestly tell if I was on course. (laughs) And I thought, I've got to do something. And I knew about trail breaking and, you know, that sort of thing. And I thought, okay, now's the time. Just do it. Yeah. And I've done it ever since.
0: Wow. I just can't imagine making that decision in the middle of the national championship event. (laughs) (laughs) To try something for the absolute very first time. Because I've I've played around with doing that. And and I know I certainly didn't. And and you've got a minute per run. So you're perfecting a technique, not (laughs) with a thousand laps to do it. You're literally doing it a minute after you've decided to do it.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) Now, let me ask you this question. Do you still left foot break? Yes, I do. So from that moment on, you were a left foot breaker. Yep. That's crazy.
1: And even to the point of getting to a place in a course where there would be a very tight kind of hairpin turn, and I would have my left foot on the brake, and I would downshift, and I would think, oh, I had my foot on the brake. I wasn't using the clutch. Yeah. (laughs) But it worked.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. How did you, how did your transmissions like that?
1: <laughs> uh, well, actually, it didn't complain.
0: Yeah, I suppose it de- depends on the transmission. depends on on the way it's set up. And and yeah. you know, you were driving cars that were more of a performance car, so they probably liked that. They probably didn't have a ton of synchros, and um, that uh, that's 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 so beyond cool. <laughs> I wouldn't have the guts yeah, to do I mean, that.
1: I mean. It it came to me after the fact. Oh, you didn't use the clutch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy.
1: Um, tell us a little
0: bit about um, what it's like to go to nationals. This is gonna be my first one. Um, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna um, once we get through this, I've got to do a little a little business here, and then we're gonna come back and I'm gonna have you give me some tips about my my first trip. But what's what's the whole atmosphere like? at nationals
1: oh super competitive but i will tell you that there is not a better group of people than solo drivers if a if a driver's car has a mechanical issue there will be other people saying jump in my car take my car out it it always happens always
0: so since i have the 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 slowest car made for h street i need to pretend like my car has a problem so someone else will let me get into a faster car right
1: <laughs> well i don't know if it'll work <laughs> quite that way but hey you can try it <laughs>
0: uh, that's too good that's too good how about the 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 non the non-competitive part of going to nationals
1: Well, it's just nice to see people from around the country that you don't see any other time. And, you know, well, obviously, after being there for all of these years, uh, I've met a lot of people. And so it's just nice to catch up and say hi and, you know, see what car they're driving and just catch up.
0: So are, are, are the 100%ers kind of rock stars in the paddock? Are they, does everyone kind of know who you are? And as people stop you as you're walking around to say hi? No.
1: no? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, we're going to change that. We're going to change yeah. that. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Well, listen, hang with me for a second. I've got I've to make a little bit of an announcement here that's really important for us. Um, and then we're going to come back. And I'm going to have you give me some tips here about uh, about what I need to do when I get to when I get to Lincoln. So hang with me here. Um, I want to take a quick second here and uh, and let folks know that something we're really excited about. And uh, we have a new presenting sponsor for uh, Solo Nationals. Uh, Mazda Motorsports has jumped on board uh, to help us get there. Uh, it does not happen without money, just like everything else in motorsports. Doing a podcast and taking it on the road costs, costs some buckage. And um, I was really uh, fortunate to, to hook up with uh, the good folks over at Mazda Motorsports and talk to them about it. And They, uh, they of course, as, as we all know, are huge supporters of grassroots motorsports, uh, huge supporters of the SCCA with all of their different classes. Uh, lots of, uh, I, I went through the entry list last night for solo nationals and there are tons and tons of Mazdas in lots of different classes. So, um, they were, they were very quick to say, yes, we're going to do it. And I, I can't thank Josh Smith and the team over there enough. So, uh, our, our, uh, our shows from solo nationals are going to be inside the SCCA from solo nationals presented by Mazda Motorsports. And uh, I would love for you to check out. We've got some links that are going to be down in the show notes here. And uh, once the show is over, uh, we'd love to have you click on those and uh, give them some support. And if you have not decided which car you want to race, I know people think we've got enough Mazdas. But you know what? Check them out. Uh, they really do support with contingency programs, uh, parts programs, lots of really cool stuff, Uh one of the uh, the most involved manufacturers in grassroots motorsports, um, you know, and and I can't thank them enough. So, going forward for the rest of uh, our solo nationals coverage and everything we do at Lincoln, it will be inside the SECA from the 50th Solo Nationals presented by Mazda Motorsports. All right, Susan, we're back. Thank you for uh, letting me get through that. I really. I wanted to thank all those folks, and uh, if it weren't for them, I would not be heading to Lincoln here in a couple of weeks, just like everyone else. I'm tr- I'm, I'm I'm driving the car out. It'll be packed to the gills with with tires and, a, and and all the stuff I need for that, plus all the stuff I need to do the podcasts from from there, as well as clothes, because I understand uh, the weather can change very quickly. Um, yes. I was told I need something to drive the car with and flip flops because I will likely be rain, rain filled the whole time. So, um, (laughs) so anyway, so I'm coming to Lincoln for the first time, my first solo nationals. What do I need to know before I get there?
1: Um, take a deep breath. (laughs) That's the first thing because when you get there and pull in past the, Um, The waiver people going in the gate, it's huge. And there are cars everywhere, motorhomes everywhere, trailers everywhere. And, of course, everyone is assigned a paddock spot, so you'll know where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But it's just so overwhelming with the number of entries that we will have this year, uh, you know, thinking back to some of the earlier years where we just had a few hundred cars right. and now we're up to 1,300 cars, uh, it's really something. Like Wednesday, the place will be packed, right? jam-packed, uh, because that's the changeover from the Tuesday-Wednesday classes to the Thursday-Friday sure. classes. And, of course, a lot of people will be there for the weekend before for Pro Solo. And so, I mean, it's just big. That's the main thing that I can tell you is you will be overwhelmed. And even with some of the numbers of cars in classes, um, it's huge. Right. It, it is just huge. I mean, it's just more than you can really comprehend until you're there. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I think I'm, well, I know I'm fortunate, um, on a lot of, on a lot of levels, but for in this particular instance, um, I'm heading out on, I'll, I'll be in Lincoln on Sunday and on site on Monday. Um, cause I'm going to do shows on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, so we're going to do at least one show every day. And if I get extra content, I might do a second show on some days, but, um, But, and I don't run until Thursday and Friday. So that's the fortunate part, I think, for me is because I'll have three days to kind of process all of that before I have to kind of hunker down and get into the mode of of going through the actual event. Um, I'm also, I think, fortunate in the fact that since this is my first and um, I haven't autocrossed before this year since 1991. um, I don't have a plan to do any kind of, I won't, let me put it this way. I don't foresee having to make room in the car for a trophy to take back <laughs> with me to California. So I have extraordinarily realistic expectations of what I'm doing. Um, and I'm really just going to experience the whole event and to have fun. And the results are, are really unimportant to me, um, which is crazy to say. I want to do the best I can. But I'm not. I'm not going to win it. I'm not going to win a trophy. I'm just going to go out and do the best I can. I think that's probably a good mindset to go into it with, right?
1: Oh, definitely. So, yeah, I think anybody who goes the first year thinking they're going to trophy will be sorely disappointed.
0: You are about the one hundred and fifty thousandth person to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I yeah, that was driven into my head very early in this discussion process (laughs) um uh and i'll be honest with you in my first in my events that i've done this year out here in california even at the local level um that has all been reinforced to me how poorly i might do so um but we're gonna have a really good time um there's a there's a test in tune site Mm -hmm. out there uh I, i plan on spending a little bit of time there is is the is the the tarmac on the test and tune site, pretty similar to what we're going to get on the two courses. Does it, does it kind of, is it commensurate or no?
1: Yes. It's all concrete. Although there are some patched areas and in the paddock, they did have to repave some of that a couple of years ago, uh, just because of deterioration. So, I mean, it's a world war two military base. Right. Um, so, but they do a, a very good job of patching anything that breaks up during competition. And so it is the same surface okay. that the test and tune is on.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, on, on the run days, um, is, it, is it a lot like what we see at our local events, is, other than at a, a much bigger scale? Is there something uh, that I need to kind of prepare myself for that might be different from what I'm getting at my local events?
1: Probably not. The courses tend to be long. Okay. Um, So as you're walking the courses, that could be a little bit more, but I don't know what the courses are like where you're running. Sure. So, um, but, but I do know that trying to get course walks in, uh, can wear you out especially if it's windy <laughs> sure sure
0: um anything else i should pack other than rain gear
1: <laughs> um sunscreen sure sure um a hat okay um a jacket All right so
0: the typical stuff the typical yeah. stuff. be ready for just about anything
1: yes and course plenty of water right because that wind will dehydrate you sure sure
0: i I, now i've heard you mention wind three or four times is there
1: something you want to tell me (laughs) it can be windy (laughs) well there's nothing to stop the wind
0: (laughs) okay so i should leave toto at home
1: yeah probably
0: (laughs) very cool very cool so um story time You've been to fifty. Um, I'm sure you've seen so many things. Um, what are what are some of your fondest memories? Maybe not even of your your runs. Um, you've been to all of these. What are, what are some of your fondest memories of your solo nationals experience? Well, year
1: number one, 1973 at Mid America Raceway in Wentzville, Missouri. Um, St. Louis region was a racing region. They put on some local little autocrosses, but that wasn't their claim to fame. National office said, you're right in the middle of the country, you're going to put on the first solo national, which they did. And it was their racing folks who were set up to do their timing and scoring and the things that they would do at races. Well, the problem was, They were going to run on the racetrack, but counter-race, so opposite the direction the races would run. So if anybody were familiar with the track, they wouldn't be (laughs) going opposite direction. But what they didn't take into consideration was that their timing equipment wouldn't run in close proximity to the PA system they were using, or the radio system, I should say, not PA. Um, And they fooled with that for hours and hours and hours. So having walked the course in the morning and then driving it late in the afternoon, the shadows were totally different. Oh, yeah. And there were a lot of trees around this racetrack. So I can remember going into one corner, uh, I couldn't even see the pylons because I had just been driving directly into the sun and then came into the shade of these big trees and I just couldn't see it. But that was kind of what that event was known for was the problems with the timing and the radios. So we've come a long way yeah, yeah. <laughs> since those days.
0: Um, so did they put up cones on the racetrack to make it kind of autocrossish? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I don't imagine they'd want you to barrel it into a corner at 125 miles an hour when that's not something you would do on a regular basis.
1: Exactly.
0: Okay. Very interesting. Um, So what was now today we have, you know, timing lights and it all gets sucked into a computer. And at some events, you've got live timing where you can see your results instantly on the on your phone or your computer. What was timing like in 1970 and 73? Was it stopwatches?
1: Well, we ended up having to use stopwatches and the start and the finish were not within sight of each other. Oh, so. They basically had somebody at the start radioing to the person at the finish saying, one, two, three, go. Yeah, yeah. And they would both hit the button on their stopwatches, and then they got a time. Then the opposite thing happened when the car crossed the finish. Okay, stop. Yeah. And then they kind of read between the two stopwatches.
0: And made an average,
1: <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and they uh, they printed out. Uh, they had the ditto machine, which oh, yeah. is what they used for the race timing and scoring. So they had the same equipment for the solo, and but you had to pay. I think it was a quarter to get a copy of the <laughs> results. I
0: love it. So so for the kids out there watching, um, if you don't know what a ditto machine is, ask your parents.
1: <laughs> yes, or grandparents. Or grandparents. <laughs> or grandparents.
0: Um, yeah. Many of, our, many of us have lost brain sn- – let me just say, many of us lost brain cells sniffing our dittos, okay? <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> S- Susan knows exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Yes, I do. Um, yes, I do. And the event was held in October. Okay. It was cold. Yeah. Um, so the the nationals for several years were held toward the end of October. OK. And the runoffs were held in November. Wow. Thanksgiving week. So everything has moved back or ahead, I should say. Right. uh, So that we're now Labor Day week and the runoffs are later in September.
0: Well, and and I guess that explains why the first decade or two of the runoffs, it was Riverside, Daytona, Road Atlanta. If you're going to hold the runoffs that late in the year, you can't do it at Road America. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. We actually had, well, uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, was a site for one of the national solos. Really? And, it oh, it was cold and rainy and absolutely miserable. And, oh, some people towed in from California and, <laughs> like, immediately, uh, in this cold and wet, uh, smashed into a concrete wall on the oh. course and totaled their car. I mean— didn't just barely got across the start line. Ugh. Um, I mean, it was, it was kind of sad. <laughs>
0: so, so I grew up 15 miles from Lake Geneva. Oh, in a okay. little tiny town called Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And, um, um, uh, and I now live in California, so I, I feel their pain. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it can be a very, uh, weather culture shock to go from Cali to, to even Southern Wisconsin in November. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we used to have blizzards on Halloween. So that's just lucky to get a race off that late in the year, (laughs) even a solo. Um, What was the site? Do you remember where the site was at Lake Geneva? I can't even imagine where they would do it.
1: It was a very strange site. It was a drag strip through an oval. Oh,
0: it was Lake Geneva Raceway. Okay.
1: And so we started from the straight of the drag strip, turned onto the oval, went around the left side of the oval, turned right and came back the drag strip, then turned left and went around the other side of the oval and then out the drag strip at the other end.
0: Do you remember approximately what year that might have been?
1: Was that, that might have been 74. Okay. I th- Seventy-five.
0: I think Milwaukee or Chicago region may have continued to use that location even into the late 80s for local events. I know because when I was doing it in, in 88, 89, 90, um, Milwaukee region's big location was Milwaukee County Stadium in the parking lot where the Brewers play, um, which has now got four new fields and 12 new names since then. But um, But I do seem to remember... Um, some events being held and seeing it like in the, you know, the region magazine that we've got an event coming up at, uh, in Lake Geneva. And, uh, it might've been at that same location. That's really interesting.
1: Well, which wouldn't have been bad had it not been rainy and cold. I mean, tires couldn't get any grip at all. Um,
0: yeah. And if, if you had run there, like we do now in early September, it would be fine. Right. Yeah. Right. But if you're doing late October, that could be anything. Oh,
1: miserable. Yeah. Oh, Just goodness. miserable.
0: <laughs> so what other any other bizarre locations over the because at some point they kind of settled into a, to a they did it at Topeka for a while. And obviously it's been at Lincoln now for a long time and it may change to a different location next year. I, I know that there's some issues with Lincoln. Um, I think they have to do some work at the airport or I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm hearing that we might not be back at this particular location in Lincoln again. Any other bizarre locations that you remember over the years? Well,
1: 1976 was Columbus, Ohio, and it was at a fairgrounds, and they didn't have a way to communicate pylon penalties, DNFs. So there was a platform in the middle of the grounds and we were kind of using roads around that area. And so they had somebody on this platform with a big sign. They would hold up the sign with like three, meaning they hit three cones. <laughs> and so they were, they were like signaling in from around the course to this central platform so that they could hold up a sign So that the timing people could see it. Okay. That was bizarre. And so that year and the year at Lake Geneva, we only had one course. Everybody just drove one course. Now at MAR uh, in 1973, we did have two courses. We had the long course on the racetrack and we had a short course on the front straight of the racetrack. Okay. So... Back then, we did have two courses: a a fast, more open course, and a short, tight course. And so that kind of came back into play through Salina, and we were at Wichita and Dallas, Fort Worth, and um, you know. So we've we've been in a variety of locations with different setups, and some of them just would not work today not just by the number of entries but just by the layout right um like we couldn't use that lake geneva sure track again um you know the our safety has come sure. a long way <laughs> sure <laughs> thank goodness
0: yeah definitely definitely what was your yeah. what, what was your favorite
1: i liked salina at what became a sports complex we stayed in salina a few more years at the airport and that was where everybody got that was i think the first year that they used the term opr other people's rubber okay um tires had gotten very soft and it was hot sure and if you had to walk the course after it had been driven on for a day your shoes your shoe soles were coated with melted rubber (laughs) you had to just throw them away
0: (laughs) that's crazy
1: (laughs) yeah so you know it's not bad now sometimes as you're walking a course you might come to a, a spot where there are, um, you know, they've got the, the black tar strips uh, or where they've done patching, and that'll get kind of chewed up a little bit, but you just kind of step over it. Well, you couldn't step over this if you were trying to follow the course.
0: Sure, sure. What, what has changed over the years in course design? Um, because I'm sure the methodologies methodology has changed. Um, <sighs> the idea of of what what a good course is may have changed.
1: Yeah, and um, I've attended a couple of Roger Johnson's course design seminars. Sure, and everything he says don't do, he does when he does a nationals <laughs> course. <laughs> Um, I, I think they're probably a little more open now okay. than they than they used to be. Uh, people want to go fast, and I'm right in there with them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I imagine that, uh, and, and that's probably a difference now for, for folks come from regions where they don't have a large venue to be able to do uh, do their events. You had mentioned that these courses are pretty long, um, you know, and I don't have a lot of reference point because, again, I've been out of the game for so long. So I'll let you know when I get there whether this course is a lot longer than what we do out here in California or not. Um, yeah. The, par- the parking lot that we use out here does seem to be kind of small to me. Um, um, it's, we, we use a minor league baseball stadium. So it's not massive like, you know, where the Cardinals play. Uh, right but it's bigger than a it's bigger than a walmart parking lot so yeah um uh it's uh so i'll, I'll be really interested to see what that is but i imagine for, for 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 drivers coming from places where they don't have a big venue that it can be a little a little hard to get used to even just memorizing where the course goes on a bigger course like that right
1: yes yes and i've always been one who only walked the course I was going to be running first. And then I didn't walk the second course until after I ran the first course. Oh, Now, some people will just walk both. Sure. um, But I haven't ever done that.
0: Right. So if I'm not running till Thursday, Friday, am I allowed to walk the courses on Tuesday, Wednesday, or am I not allowed to be on the course until the days I run?
1: Oh, no, you can walk the courses. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe walk the second course first just once and then run the first walk the first course a couple of times just so you have a little idea what the second course is, but you get it out of your head kind of by the time you have to run it. Um, maybe that's a good strategy.
1: Right. And you can get there early in the morning and as the sun is coming up over on the other side of the airport, um, you can walk the course right that morning and then depending what heat you're running midday they do have a, a break okay for about a half an hour and you can walk again
0: okay all right interesting can you videotape the course during your walk i'm just curious sure okay maybe that's another good idea huh interesting all these little tricks
1: I'm trying to come up with in my head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that won't help me, but I, I'm, I'm interested anyway.
1: Well, but it makes you feel like you're doing something.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> any any final thoughts before we get out here, um, you know, about the idea of, of being there? You've been there for 50 now. How, how many more do you think you're going to get in?
1: Oh, I don't know. I guess it depends on George and D. Schweichel and how long they... <laughs> continue to do this and and if i'm welcome to drive their car
0: <laughs> well if if they ever uh if they ever rescind the invitation and if i'm there you have a standing it, i don't know i don't know if the car will be any good but uh, <laughs> you, you have a standing invitation to be to, to, to drive my car anytime you want to how's that
1: all right thank you well you know i i like to say i used to be fast
0: that's right that's right i tell people i am the fastest guy out there in my own head yeah (laughs) that's right you know it's just my 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 hands and feet don't do what my brain tells them to do it's not my fault The the synapses aren't firing properly so like i said i've got a great excuse game um susan it's been a pleasure thank you oh you're welcome any any final thoughts as we get ready to head to our final our fiftieth solo nationals?
1: No, just be ready to enjoy yourself, have fun on the course, uh, and take it all in. Yeah. And I know you will because you're going to be interviewing people and doing programs. Right. So that'll be great.
0: Yep. Yep. So just for folks who are coming, um, I'm going to be there starting Monday and. Uh, um, We've kind of decided that we're, we're not going to do, talk about results because it's just so hard to cover however 60 or 70 or whatever the number of classes are now that I know I'll forget somebody and then I'll make somebody mad and, and I'll never hear the end of it. So <laughs> so my plan at, the, at Solo Nationals is to not really cover results, but just give people an idea of the people who are there, telling them about their stories, um, the flavor of the event. Um, and, and so that's what we're going to be doing. I know that the guys uh, who do the, the, the morning show uh, out there, um, they're going to do their thing again, so I'm, I'm not getting in the way of anything they're doing. Uh, they do a great job, and uh, I look forward to that as well. So my shows are going to be a little bit different, um, but I'm looking forward to getting to know everybody. Come on and find me. I think I'm going to be somewhere near the tire rack tent. Um, the, my, my final resting place has not been fully determined yet. Um, but come find me and introduce yourself. I would love to meet as many people as I can. Uh, I'll be taking in all of the post-evening events. Uh, so um, you'll, I'll be the guy the next morning with a bottle of Tylenol uh, and a lot of black coffee. So um, that's how you'll find me. But uh, we're going to have a really well, good time. There,
1: there will be a lot of people looking like that. <laughs> and now you you do have to get into some of the party groups On site. Right. Uh, I think it's Sunday night. They do the big wheel races. Oh. And um, Tuesday night, of course, we'll be at that banquet. But Tuesday night, they do Trash Arita.
0: Trash (laughs) Arita. What exactly is that?
1: Well, they have a lot of smoked meat and a variety of alcoholic beverages. Oh, And there's also a beer swap sometime and uh, (laughs) you need to find all of these little groups on Facebook.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to (laughs) just put a post out there and figure out how I I get into all of these things. Um, It just, it sounds like a ton of fun. And uh, that's really what I want to let people know as to what a good time this is. So uh, I'm looking forward to all of that. I don't know that I'll be in. I'm leaving Saturday morning from California with the idea of being there by Sunday afternoon. So I don't know if I'll be there early enough to partake in anything on Sunday night. Um, Yeah,
1: probably not.
0: But uh, and if I do, I'll probably be a zombie because I'll be wanting to just go find my pillow and go to sleep. (laughs) But um, but uh, I'll be ready and rare and first thing on Monday morning. So,
1: well, Monday night is the welcome party. And that's fun, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, Susan, I look forward to finding you. Um, I'm going to get a list of everybody and where they are in the paddock, so I will definitely look you up and shake your hand. And and, uh, I will uh, will share an adult beverage with you at some point in time, I'm sure.
1: Oh, yes. All right. Definitely.
0: All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Inside the SCCA. This is our solo Nationals preview shows presented by Mazda Motorsports. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network. If you like what you're seeing, subscribe to the Racing Network on YouTube so you won't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. If it's a bad one, put it on someone else's channel. You can also follow us on social media, find out who our next guests are, leave a question on Twitter, it's RacingWireNet. There's a new inside of the SEC every week live on Wednesdays on YouTube, and then the podcast comes on Fridays. I'm Brian Belansky. Have yourself a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cars.
1: Hi, I'm Kelton Jago, and this is Inside the SCCA.
0: Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.